Hey, hey D&D, D&D fam. fam. I'm Quick. And I'm Lee. And you're listening to Divas, Divas and Duckets. So what is a diva? I think divas get a bad rep. But to me, diva is all about the attitude. As for ducats, it's your finances, your assets, Skrilla, Guap, your coin. We're talking all things with the potential to affect your pockets. And while we're attorneys by trade, we are divas by choice. Divas and Ducats is for edutainment purposes. Y'all, we are not Series 511 (laughs) or 703 professionals. This does not create a financial advisor or attorney-client relationship. The views expressed here are solely our opinions and the opinions of our guests. It's just our opinions, y'all. Okay, Divas, let's talk Ducats. What's happening? What's up? How is everyone? It is summertime. We hope you're enjoying your COVID summer. Right, right. It's a different summer, but you know, it's not as bad as it was in the springtime. You can't get out and do a little, little something, something, mm-hmm, something. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we are glad you're back. Welcome back. We're glad to be here. We have a good episode in store for you today on our Diva Docket. We are talking about, so you just quit your job? So you just gonna quit your job. Yes. <laughs> we have a guest who took, you know, went from a career that was fruitful and she liked to doing what she loves mm-hmm. and, and is enjoying the fruits of that labor. And so we wanted to get some insight from her on that journey and maybe even those of you who want to eventually be doing something that you love while also supporting yourself financially because, you know, bills have to be paid. Right. Um, you know, just get some insight from someone who has been there, done that, and, you know, is and on the other side of it. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. But first, we have to feature our Boss Bay. Our Boss Bay, as those of you who have joined in before, is someone in the community who is doing their thing, being a good representative, is reaching back, paying it forward. Um, They're sometimes individuals, sometimes small businesses, um, but we just want to give people their flowers, and hopefully if they can be of assistance to you, you know, maybe you'll use their services. Yes, yes. We have gotten some great um, feedback from the Boss Bay, so Mm -hmm. we thank you for reaching out to them. Um, and definitely, you know, enjoying their services. Yes. So, this week's Boss Bay is LaPortia Lowry. LaPortia Lowry is the owner of L. Shanice Media, LLC, which publishes Sisters Keeper magazine. Established in September 2012, it is the only magazine promoting self-esteem and sisterhood to teen girls ages 12 to 19. The current May 2020 issue is about Generation Z and what it's like to be a teen girl today. Her LLC also provides editing services, consulting for social media, website and graphic design, and manages the L. Shanice brand. She will also publish her first book by the end of 2020. Hey. Go ahead, girl. <laughs> LaPortia is from Charlotte, NC. Yes, I love the native. Mm-hmm. She is a proud Aggie and alumna of North Carolina A&T State University with a bachelor's degree in print journalism. She received her master's degree in magazine, newspaper, and online journalism from Syracuse University in August 2013. She is a member of the Queen City Aggie Alumni Chapter, the National Coalition of 100 Black Women, and Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. You can reach LaPortia at her business 
Instagram is at L Shanice Media. L is spelled E L L E Shanice. S-H-A-N-I-C-E Media, M-E-D-I-A. And you can also find out more about her magazine, Instagram at Sisters Keeper Mag. Sisters is S-I-S-T-A-S-K-E-E-P-E-R-M-A-G. So, Miss LaPortia, hey, hey babe. And look, when you said that little portion went to A&T, I was like, oh, it just made me think about all the homecomings that are getting canceled yeah, this year. Yeah, they're taking it really hard. They are taking it really, really, <laughs> really hard. It would have been my, oh, 20th year. Ooh. Okay, it's been girl. some time. Little season. <laughs> right, 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 right. Got right. Larry's on you. So we have our guest today is going to be Tanya from my forking life we are so excited to have her tanya was an attorney is an attorney i'm not gonna say was right. is an attorney still who, got them credentials right right <laughs> who turned her hobby of cooking and creating recipes at home into a very successful online business she runs the food blog my forking life I mean, you can find her website at www.myforkinglife.com. And on her food blog, she shares quick and easy to follow recipes for home cooks. My Forking Life was launched in 2016 and now has more than 1 million visitors per month. Tanya's goal is to inspire and encourage others to enjoy cooking at home. Tanya, thank you for joining us on the Divas and Duckets podcast. Yes, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. We are so excited to be with you. Um, of course, you know, as attorneys, I have met Tanya before in, in the legal community, but then mm. I got introduced to My Fork in Life because she had some air fryer recipes. Mm. <laughs> and it changed my life. So let's get into that. So in your own words, um, what do you do? Like, what the food blog and everything, and how did you get started? So um, I run the food blog full-time, and I guess it's kind of hard for me to call it just a food blog right. because I also do, um, I blog, but I also write articles, I also do videos, mm. um, and everything that goes into running this website. But um, I kind of got started because when I was working, I just had this passion of cooking, and I needed an outlet, right. and so I decided that I was going to start a blog. I didn't know it was going to be about food, mm -hmm. but eventually that's kind of what I settled on, and it just basically grew over time um, from there. That is really, really interesting. So cooking was your, your way to release, like? just released did you have you know certain foods you like to cook and like your blogging did you start like when it, you started was, your blog how did it look, look with the food so it was initially um because i haven't been cooking like cooking cooking in my, my entire life my okay. story is a little bit different um i think it was 2011 um, i remember it was when the dnc was in charlotte mm -hmm. i was playing hooky from a job <laughs> and um, i was in a bookstore and i came across a cookbook it's called how to cook everything by mark Brittman. he has a lot of different cookbooks but this cookbook really drew my attention because there were a lot of really simple recipes mm -hmm. and there were a lot of step-by-step -step photos mm -hmm. so okay. it broke it down really simple and so i bought that cookbook i started cooking from there 
And then I just kept on buying more and more cookbooks and kept on cooking and trying recipes. So now I have more than 200 cookbooks and I'm just addicted to trying new recipes (laughs) and learning the science behind cooking. And so that's when I, you know, I was doing so much cooking. I was learning so much. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what, I might as well, you know, start a blog and do something similar as well. Right. So you're you're married with children, Mm -hmm. correct? That's correct. Yeah, so I know it was probably really interesting for your husband to be like, what in the world is going on with all these? Like, you suddenly (laughs) just started picking up cooking, 200 cookbooks. Like, what was his reaction to it all? I mean, he just said... So it's funny because, like, we were dating back in 2011, like, when this all started. And Mm -hmm. before I even picked up that book, I would cook, but it would be horrible. Like, he'd be like... Mm -hmm. He would be nice and be like, oh, yeah, it's all right. But it just wasn't that good. And so, you know, and I already have my daughter, my oldest daughter, so... Um, part of the passion behind cooking is also to make them both like like the food that right. I was making. Right. And so, I mean, he didn't really complain about it. He's just like, he knows the deal that if I see a cookbook <laughs> I like, I'm going to buy it. <laughs> that's that. And we just have to like buy more bookshelves to hold my book. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, and that's a benefit. He was yeah. the taste tester. Like, right. okay, I could see the improvement. Yeah. <laughs> so talk about, you know, you, at at a certain point, this was almost more like a hobby, a release. Like, discuss that transition that you made into making this your full-time job. You know, how did you know when it was t- the right time? Or how did you go about deciding to leave, I guess, you know, more of a typical, traditional, maybe even stable type of position? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that wasn't easy at all. Um, Mm -hmm. The reality was I was doing it, not really knowing that I could make money from it initially when I started. Mm -hmm. Um, And then over time, even though I also liked cooking, I liked the idea of building a blog. And once I found out you could run it as a business, I was determined to learn more about it. Mm -hmm. And although I started in 2016, I blogged like pretty occasionally up until 2017. And then I just stopped for a while because I was, you know, trying to conceive and then I got pregnant and I was tired. Mm -hmm. So I just completely stopped messing with the website, but it was still up. Mm -hmm. And what happened when I was away was a lot of people kept visiting the site and leaving comments. I just Mm -hmm. kept on getting these comments. People were making these recipes that I had made before. And it kind of just clicked where I was like, I'm actually good at what I do. I should probably come back and start doing this. Mm -hmm. And so I came back, but I said, you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to turn this into like a six, seven figure business. I'm not Mm -hmm. seven figures yet, but definitely was like, I'm going to make this huge. And Mm -hmm. so I set these crazy goals, Mm -hmm. like crazy high goals. Like I'm going to do this, whatever, whatever. And I gave myself a year and, you know, I started listening to podcasts on Mm -hmm. my commutes. Mm -hmm. I started working on the weekends. And I worked my butt off, you know, around, you know, when I wasn't working, Mm -hmm. I set a certain amount of hours per week I would dedicate to the blog, which usually was like 10 to 15. And, you know, by, it was probably about like eight months later, once I was able to out earn what I was working at my job, I was like, all right, it's time for me to leave and, you know, put my heart behind making this girl even bigger. Wow. So once you decided to, you know, write those goals down and do that full time, like you were able to make your income as an attorney and what you were doing as a food blocker within eight months? Yep. That's and it was crazy. it was more, it was, it was all strategic, but it was, like mm-hmm. you said, I had to write down that goal. And yeah. I had to say, you know, this is what I need to get done. And then I had to create a plan to, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> to make it make it happen. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. 
Well, what I noticed is she spent part-time hours making that happen. Mm-hmm. Like, she worked mm-hmm. full-time, but she also said, right. like, I spent 10, 15 hours a week mm-hmm. outside of everything right, else yeah. trying to make that happen. So, I mean, that just really stands out to me that it's not a overnight thing. Because no. I think a lot of times people you know myself included you can get frustrated when you don't see traction immediately mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or when you you know what I mean so I think it's just a really important I, I appreciate Tanya that you kind of said that um so one of the things that I wonder about especially when we think about debt and trying to stay away from debt I'm sure I don't know you know I had to uh, get some loans for that law degree. So, right, 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 right. wouldn't try to get any more loans. So, talk about like, how did you go about financing your dream job? Did you just grow organically and kind of do the uh, thing where some people will start the thing and then maybe get sponsors? Or did you go the more traditional route of like a business loan? Like, mm-hmm. how did you go about financing your dream? Um, so, um, some of the stuff that I had, like for food photography, you need like a decent camera. And I already had a camera, um, before I even started, cause I had planned on doing weather photography in my head. So, um, <laughs> like, so that was one purchase I already had. And then like the domain name, I, or I just paid for that. It was pretty cheap. It was like a hundred dollars, like to start up. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of just started to grow organically. And I really studied how, websites made money because mm. there's so many different ways to make um, money on a website and mm. I kind of settled on um, the way that I wanted to monetize my site was by getting more traffic and making um, revenue off of ads because mm-hmm. that's pretty much passive income the more people come to your site if you have ads on your site and they see them you'll make money mm-hmm. and so I basically I had to put in the hours like you said the 10 to 15 hours per week was really just me strategizing how to get more people to my website Mm -hmm. And once I was able to do that, I was able to monetize it. So I didn't have to take out any loans or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And then once I started to monetize, um, since I was still working full time, the money that I earned from the blog, that just went right back into the blog. So eventually I would hire people to help. Mm -hmm. Um, I also ended up getting new cameras Mm -hmm. or I would, you know, do anything that would help the business. I would use the money that I started to earn from ads to pay for that. Okay. Okay, cool, cool. And so I also know that in the food blogging business, you know, you were saying that you thought you were going to be a wedding photographer. Mm -hmm. Um, Oftentimes when we are pursuing our dreams, like we feel like we can only have that one dream or that one goal. Mm -hmm. And if it fails, then we're not meant to do anything. Right. Right. Can you talk a little bit more about how you thought you were going to be a wedding photographer and then was like in in transition? It was like, okay, this is not the path I want to go down. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, I bought the camera, and then I took, like, three pictures, and then that <laughs> camera just kind of sat in the corner getting dust. I was like, uh, yeah, it's not something I'm going right. to do. But I'm also a person that, like, if I, you know, spend money on something, like, mm-hmm. I kind of want to use it. So I, I had the camera, right? and once I decided to be a food blogger, I was like, you know what? I I felt like it was destiny. Like, I had already bought this, and you're right. For me, it was easy to make that transition, and mm-hmm. it was, like, a sign, like, you spent money on this, maybe mm-hmm. you can use it in this capacity. And even for me, like getting in front of the camera and doing videos, my husband, he does mm-hmm. a lot of film stuff. He's directed movies before I've been in movies. So it's kind of like obvious where it's like, you should probably start doing some video because you got, you know, your husband who can help you edit them and who can help you be better, better on camera. So I also do YouTube videos now 
because of him, pretty much. So can you tell me a little bit about how you decided to stand out as a food blogger? Because mm-hmm. as you know, like, I think finances, you know, financial businesses on social media and food blogging, like, those are mm-hmm. some of the most competitive um, spaces to be able to try to come in and yeah. make money or become an influencer mm-hmm. in the social media field or circuit. So how did you make yourself stand out? Um, well, what I, I didn't really focus too much on social media initially mm. when I was growing up, like growing up when I was <laughs> growing the business. Um, I had learned about Google SEO. I think I was listening to a podcast and somebody mentioned the term SEO mm-hmm. and it just made so much sense to me. And what, you know, Google SEO is, is pretty much when you write a blog post, you really are writing a blog post to um, so when someone searches in Google, that yours will show up in their feed. Mm-hmm. And once I learned that, I pretty much started to, that's kind of how I started to do my recipes. So I would make sure that I was creating recipes that people were searching for. Mm-hmm. And I would write those posts like, that would get them excited about trying the recipe and making it. Mm-hmm. And so that's what kind of helps me build my audience on Google. The other thing that I did was I really tried to take really good looking photos. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm the best photographer, but I would always try to make the food where it'd be like, I want to eat that. Whatever the heck that picture is, right. mm-hmm. I want a close up, you know, that sexy shot of the food. Right. Um, so I also do that to try to stand out. And the third thing I tried to do, which I'm still kind of like doing this when I remember to do it, mm-hmm. is to show the fact that I'm an African-American, you know, that I'm a black woman pretty right, much yeah. because um, they're just... There are a lot of black bloggers. There are just not as many. And I also just wanted to show that, you know, I'm a black woman blogger out here as well. Like a food. Those are the ways that I really try to focus on standing out. So I would try to put my hands in a shot. Mm-hmm. And that was why I also started doing a lot of food videos. Because um, when I started initially, there weren't that many black hands. And right. these, like food videos that you would see showing up on social media. Because you're also on YouTube, right? Yeah. Right. I know when we were talking, you also said that you kind of like distinguished it by using some of your cultural background. Can you speak to that in like your recipes? Yeah, so I'm half Jamaican, half African, raised in a Jamaican household. So I do some of those recipes as well. And Mm -hmm. I try to go from recipes that I've either grown up eating. I've also lived in the South for a very long time. So Mm -hmm. just any Southern recipes. And so I try to bring those to the forefront and just also talk about a little, not too much, but at least a little hint of why I'm sharing this recipe and what it, what it is about it that makes it so good. Um, I think a lot of people, the the way food bloggers were, were initially, even before I got started, they would just write about their days and their stories. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't want to hear that anymore. They just want the recipe, but I still think it's important for me to portray a little bit about my connection with the food in order for you to get excited to actually even want to make it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Make it relatable. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. And I think, so one thing that I think is relatable is this whole concept of imposter syndrome and I think and it might just be um, I don't know if it's a millennial slash Gen X type thing but I think a lot of us are raised in families and depending on your culture too where you're raised to get that stable job you mm-hmm. go to you know you go to school or get your training and you get that nine to five where you know you're going to be able to take care of yourself right. um, and then you know sometimes even with you when you're within your field or thriving you you know imposter syndrome is kind of like that feeling 
like you almost like you don't deserve it you don't deserve or like you know you're a fraud people uh-huh. are gonna find out you really don't know what you're doing just it's almost you psyching yourself out mm-hmm. and kind of downplaying yourself so Tanya did you you know as you kind of as your business grew and as you grew more successful did you maybe struggle with any imposter syndrome or any of that stability anxiety around like what you're supposed to be quote air quote supposed to be doing in terms of your career trajectory oh absolutely on both fronts (laughs) um the career thing it's been a year and i'm just finally starting to be okay with the fact that i left my job as an attorney Mm. and it wasn't that i fear i guess there was this fear because i was making a lot more than my job when i left and Mm. i remember telling my mom about it and her first thing was like are you sure and I'm like, woman, right. I'm making, you know, all the money. And she's still like, are you sure? Right. And I'm just like, <laughs> I had to, like, stop just talking to her about it. Mm. And I just had to just, you know, make the decision to quit my job. I had spoke to my husband about it. He was mm-hmm. on board. Yeah. And I just had to do it and stop telling people about it. I just mm. had to, you know, because I still had those feelings and I still felt like, you know, I was second guessing myself, but I was second guessing myself because I was concerned about how other people, other people would see felt. me. Yeah. And I finally just got to the point where I was just like, you know what, it doesn't matter. I can support myself. I don't, I'm not asking anybody to, for any money. So, mm-hmm, it, you know, mm-hmm. they, it shouldn't matter what I've decided to do and how I've decided to, um, you know, build income for myself and my family. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the whole job thing, but it still was hard. It, I'm not yeah. gonna sit here and say it was easy, and I had to listen to like a lot of podcasts and pray about it, mm-hmm. and just to get to a point where I felt okay doing it. And now I'm great. And <laughs> the imposter syndrome that still exists. Um, mm-hmm. I still sometimes will feel like, you know, am I who am I to tell people how to do things and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But the way I combat that is just really knowing my stuff, mm-hmm. like or at least trying to, right? Like yeah. I read cookbooks i learn um science knowledge i'm always continuing to teach myself every single little thing about cooking um so that when i tell somebody something that it comes from a place of knowledge i'm not just guessing things out of the air right um and then i also make sure i test my recipes like crazy like my husband is like dang we've had like beans like 10 times this week like you keep making the same thing over and i'm like because i am testing this recipe under all conditions because when people make it I need it to work. Yeah, because right. they're going to have so, questions. Like, I didn't use it at this temperature. What happened with this? You need to be able to respond. Like, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah, so that's helped mm-hmm. me be able mm-hmm. to say, you know what, I am worthy of being here because I do work hard to make sure that every single piece of content that I put out, that it's really good. And mm-hmm. so I, that's how I've been able to deal with, you know, that, that doubt that creeps in your mind. Like, do I deserve this? Is, you know, is this luck or whatever? And I'm like, no, I deserve this because I worked hard for it and I'm still working hard for it. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and, and kind of just, you know, talking about the naysayers, like what was some of the things that you would hear and was your husband always supportive of the transition or was that something that you had to work on as well with him? Oh, no, I'm lucky. My husband, um, he's very creative. Yeah. <laughs> so like I said, he's directed movies. He's done that stuff. So he, when I told him, it was just like, so that was good, but it was, it's mostly like you said, like the older folks. So, mm-hmm. you know, my in-laws, my mom, you know, the older people in my family were basically like, it's, this is new to them. Mm-hmm. And I don't have that many um, people that own their own businesses in my family too. So what I had to kind of do 
is surround myself with people on podcasts, like mm-hmm. people that I know run businesses because they're speaking on podcasts, talking about it. Mm-hmm. I had to listen to them like they were my friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's kind of what made me realize, you know, people do this. Yeah, People leave to open their own businesses. This is really not that it's not that uncommon mm-hmm. and there are people that do it and are very successful right so even if i didn't know a lot of these people in my real life at least i could connect to people that are giving this free information um and then in my head they'd be my friends and you know i'd be like okay this person's doing <laughs> it i can do it too yeah yeah and i know they usually say that i think most businesses or small businesses within the first, I think it's like three to five years they failed. So like people talk about the constant grind and how Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's a few years before you really see the fruits of that. You know what I mean? A lot of it, the the first Mm -hmm. few years is really getting it together. Mm -hmm. So, you know, talk to us maybe about some of the challenges that you faced in the beginning, whether it was financial or lack of knowledge. It seems like you had some mentors in terms of a podcast, but, you know, maybe there was a, a learning gap or just, you know, family in terms of having a young family like what were some of the challenges for you as you were getting too successful um the main challenge really was just because it was never really a financial challenge because when I was building it I was still working so that was you know the benefit of I didn't quit my job Mm -hmm. before I had the enough income to where I could you know support my family off of it yeah and the way that I'm monetized is like even well, then the thing that made me also feel safe is that I was still an attorney. So it was mm-hmm. like, you know, worst come to worst, if I had to go back to work <laughs> or something or yep. get on a court appointment list, I could do that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as any challenges, it was the thing why it's never really challenging to me is because I had a base knowledge. And for me, it's like I would still put out content, even if it wasn't the prettiest picture mm-hmm. or the best video. Because for me, it's a learning process. Mm-hmm. So I can look at some of my pictures and videos that I do today mm-hmm. and compare it to some of the early ones. Mm-hmm. And the early ones are bad. They look horrible. <laughs> but at the same time, I still believe in putting that out and learning while you're putting out this. That's the kind of business that I'm in. Yeah. So, um, And then I can always go back later if I think the pictures are hideous and you know make them prettier if I want to because mm-hmm. I took time to learn how to take better pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, I took time to invest in better equipment for better videos. Um, so the challenge is pretty much, like you said, building the knowledge. It mm-hmm. just took, you know, took a little bit of a while because I wasn't, um, I was only dedicating a few hours a week to it until right. I quit my job. Yeah, and I was just about to say, I really love the fact that you kept those older pictures up because you could actually see your transition on Instagram from mm-hmm. like how you started putting that work into where it is now where it's like every picture is like mouth watering you know like you mm-hmm. can actually see like that growth see and, yeah because a lot of people yeah they always <laughs> want you to think that they were where they are now yeah so they don't allow you to to you know sometimes have the insight so i think that's like really beautiful being in that in that flu blocking industry, and like you were saying, there are a lot of not, usually not a lot of brown faces. Were you able to find other food blogging mentors to be able to like actually call um, versus you know listening to podcasts and getting strength from those? Like, were you able to find bloggers that you were able to actually call, ask questions to? Were they helpful? Did you get pushback? Oh no, absolutely. Um, that's the one thing about the food blogging community, and it, I mean, there's been some bloggers that I that probably, you know, there. sometimes there are bloggers that will be jealous, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you start a website and you start building it and building it, there are some that will shun you out. But I will say 
8% of that community is so helpful. Um, And I did make some connections with some food bloggers early on, and then I would be able to ask some questions. They were able to provide answers. Um, Even to knowing which podcast to listen to, they'd be Mm -hmm. like, you know, listen to this podcast. They'll give you, you know, information on how to, you know, do marketing on Pinterest or how Mm -hmm. to market on Facebook Mm -hmm. and all this other information. So um, I will say that it is a community where people are they're in the act of giving information freely and Mm. to me honestly i i pretty much try to do the same thing because i do believe that that's how you'll be blessed is if you aren't trying to be selfish and hold on to these secrets because the fact is if anyone's willing to do the work then they should also reap the reward mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, and pay it forward. You yeah, know, kind of thing. And I, yeah, I could. I, me and Leandra talk about that all the time. Like how you know you run up into people that you try to get information or try to you know start out even when we even were starting like a out. mentorship. Yeah, yeah, try to build that mentorship, and you run into um, a lot of people that just like you said they want to hold that information into mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, competitive nature. Like it's not enough food and money to go. <laughs> It's crabs in a barrel, but that's another story. It is, right. That's that's another podcast. But I can definitely say when I came um, to Tanya just to talk about my own interests of what I wanted to start, like she sat down with me and rolled out the red carpet. And I was like, I know if I had to pay for this information, Mm -hmm. it would have been easily been charged a few hundreds of dollars. And it was nothing for her to, to do it, you know. Um, and like you said, when you, if you, a person is willing to do the work and take that information and actually apply it, then, yeah. you know, blessings to them, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. So I definitely want to, you know, tell you thank you for that because you definitely made me feel very welcome with all the information um, that you gave me when I was, you know, when, when I had came to you about that. Mm-hmm. Oh, no problem. So for those who are interested in your industry in terms of video blogging, like what are, I know you mentioned the camera that you kind of had an Mm -hmm. initial investment. So what are some of the initial investments, you know, besides the camera that you focused on in the beginning? And then what do you kind of feel like you can kind of hold off on if if their capital is limited or they're just, you know, still working on getting those coins together? Right. (laughs) Um, I will say the the thing you probably want to spend money on is um, a domain name. Mm-hmm. So that was, and I initially started out. That's like a whole probably whole episode about <laughs> what platform to start a website on. Mm-hmm. But you always want to make sure you have your own website and you own that website so that because I've seen people start food blogging on platforms. They'll start like an Instagram page and only be on an Instagram page. Mm-hmm. And if Instagram decided to close down your page tomorrow, you would lose everything you've worked for. Mm. So I always say at least pay for a website and um, like a self-hosted website with your domain name. Mm-hmm. You can get cheap. Um, you can get cheap, uh, trying to think, cheap hosting for like, you know, $10 a month, maybe mm-hmm. even cheaper than that. You don't want to go too cheap because yeah. sometimes those can be a hassle. Okay, but I would say at least invest in that. Um, and then cameras, you can take good pictures. I've seen people take amazing pictures on like their cell phone. Right. So I wouldn't even say, I mean, eventually you probably want to invest in a, a good camera, mm-hmm. but even starting out, you could still do a cell phone. Um, and a lot of that inform- a lot of information you need to run a successful food blog is literally on the internet. Like right. it's on right. the internet, it's on mm-hmm. podcasts. Um, they do have some courses out there if you want like just a course about food blogging some people mm-hmm. have some 
but I haven't even done those. I kind of just listened to podcasts and just applied everything I learned little by little to growing. Mm-hmm. And are there any, I don't mean to put you on the spot, are there any like podcasts in, that come out, off the top of your head that you listen to or still listen to that you would recommend? Um, for food blogging in particular, um, there's one called Food Blogger Pro. Um, they it's ran by a couple that run a website, Pinch of Yum. So they have one of the bigger food blog ones. Um, and then there's any any podcast that talks about blogging and affiliate marketing. Like that's how you can earn revenue. Mm-hmm. Like Pat Flynn, I cannot remember the name of his podcast, but he's huge in like you know talking about building income from websites as well. So any mm-hmm. type of podcast that kind of like talk about that are good to listen to. And Blogger Genius is another one. Just okay. hit me on top of it. Where they'll um, talk about these things. And what I do, because you know a lot of these podcasts have hundreds of episodes, I kind of just scroll through the topics and I'll just pick one that I want to learn about. So, you know, if it's titled how to make money off your blog with ads, I'm going to listen to that one. Or if it's titled how to get more traffic to your blog through Instagram, I'm going to listen to that one. Mm -hmm. And I always try to take little, you know, bits of information and apply it to um, my blog and my social media. Okay. Well, I think that's very insightful. That'll be helpful for those who are interested in blogging for sure. Um, So, I know one of the things that people say once their business starts to gain traction and they kind of can see the light at the end of the tunnel, mm-hmm. um, the, they often say the only thing they regret is not starting sooner. Do you, <laughs> so do you feel the same on the other side of things and you're kind of, you know, within your groove now? Do you feel that same way or do you feel like your timing was just right, to, you know, given what was going on in your life and your career? Oh, I think it was it was just right. Now the reality is, is I left my career because I was on that um student loan forgiveness thing. That mm-hmm. was another reason why people were kind of like, "Are you sure you want to?" Right. Because yeah. I, le- I think I had like two years left before they would waive uh, my student wow. loan, and so that was me giving up. You know, the possibility of getting those student loans waived. Mm-hmm. But the uh, the other part of my brain was just like. I can't stop thinking about what would happen if I left now to build this business. Mm. Um, and so maybe that was a little bit, since most people like maybe you left too soon, but mm-hmm, for me, mm-hmm. I think everything happened the timing that it was supposed to happen mm-hmm. because, um, initially when I started, it was before I initially got pregnant and taking that time off. Oh, that's another reason why I should, I'm blabbing a little bit, but the, when I got pregnant, that's when I actually discovered air fryers because Mm. I really wanted french fries. (laughs) And once I um, bought an air fryer while I was pregnant, that's kind of where I realized this machine is pretty awesome. And that's when I I came back to blogging, (laughs) I really started doing that. That's Mm -hmm. another thing that helped my website pretty much take off in trajectory because air frying was new to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because I started making all these different kinds of foods in it, that was another thing that helped um, my website become very popular mm-hmm. on the internet. Mm. The so I, I think that was just one of those like divine moments where it's like you did this in the right amount of time. Even me quitting my job when I quit last year had no clue that COVID would be happening. Yeah. Um, but the benefit of me leaving when I left is that I was able to build the blog um, to a point that when everything shut down, I was already used to being at home, mm-hmm. you know, working from home. And I was already at a point where we were making really good income right. so that it was fine. So I do think yeah. everything happened for a reason. And I really did pray about every single step mm-hmm. when I did do anything with the blog. I'm like, you know, should I be doing this? Is this the right time? 
and you know I went with my gut and I think it's worked out every every single time Yes, and I thank you for some of your air fryer recipes because I have been to Quick's house to taste them. So. <laughs> I just appreciate it. I remember when I first got was getting my air fryer, I inboxed her and was like, I don't know which air fryer to get. And of course, she was like, well, I have several. <laughs> Try this one. <laughs> and then I got the air fryer. It was just like this huge, just scary machine to me. Yeah. I would, it was so it was just sitting there, and I was like, I don't know how to turn it on. I don't know. It's just like, just try it. Just mm-hmm. do it. It's safe. It's fine, but yeah, her air fryer recipes are all Yeah, the I don't shade. get the science behind air frying, but it's delicious, so yes, it, it doesn't is. matter. <laughs> well, thank you. So I, I'm not sure if there's anything that we didn't uh, remember to ask you, so I just want to kind of leave that out there. Mm-hmm. Like, what other insight would you provide individuals who are just getting started? And, and what are maybe some of the gems that you learned along the way or even gems that people gave you as you were kind of growing? Um, my biggest thing for a lot of people, and this is kind of where, when I started, um, and I think we touched about it earlier, where a lot of times people think if they want to run a business and let's say they're working full time, mm-hmm. that they'll have to dedicate, you know, hundreds of hours mm-hmm. to try to get that business, you know, off the ground. And even for a while, I thought that and thinking that can be very discouraging. Right. Mm-hmm. Not every business needs a hundred hours around the clock to grow. Right. Um, the best advice I can get is just set a goal and pick a number of hours and resources you can dedicate to it mm-hmm. and then go from there. Um, it doesn't have to happen overnight. You don't have to build your business overnight, but even if you say, okay, year from now, I'm going to build this business and then you can dedicate, like I said, I was doing 10 to 15 hours a week. And, um, basically I wasn't watching, you know, TV, TV on the weekends. Right. Instead, I was taking pictures of food. Right. Um, and that's kind of what my advice is just to set goals and to set strategic um, guidelines and also educate yourself mm-hmm. on building a business. Um, there's lots of podcasts. There's also audio, audio books, but there's audio books and books on the different ways to um, build a business. And then my third thing will be to surround people um, that have done what you're trying to mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to grow a successful food blog, even if you don't know um, the successful food blog people personally, mm-hmm. check out their websites. Look right. at what they're doing. Not Don't copy them, but they're probably successful for a reason. Like, what things are they doing that you could possibly do that's similar um, that you could benefit from and that could help you grow your business as well? Well, this has been amazing. Thank you for sharing those gems. Um, I, I, I think it's really encouraging because you did this with the whole family, right? Yeah. Like you made this transition with a child and mm-hmm. then getting pregnant and a husband, you know, so it's like really, really possible, um, you know, to be able to pursue your dreams. You just have to start really, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, it really helps, like you said, to surround yourself with a community that's going to be supportive mm-hmm. um, and being able to turn off the ear to those people who are not, um, I guess, just feeding feeding your dream. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tune out the chatter. 
Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure, for sure. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much, Tanya, for joining us. Um, and we will have the information for My Forking Life in our show notes. And, of course, we'll if you go to our Instagram page, you will be able to see her feature. Mm -hmm. um, she'll be tagged, and we'll have her information on our social media handles. Yes. And, Tanya, if you would like, before you go, to go ahead and let them know where they can find you on social media or your website. Oh, sure. So my website is myforkinglife.com um, I am on all social media platforms YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest um, with the My Forking Life, that's the name on all those yeah. And um, that's it. That's where you can find me. And, and as you were saying, I was like, I think that's the cutest name. Like, it really stands out. Like, how did you come up with that name? Uh, it was random. Like, I literally <laughs> could not think of anything. And I was just, like, upset. And so I actually said the actual, like, my thing, like. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was just like, wait a minute. That's kind of clever. And right. I literally, as soon as I, that happened, I hopped on, like, the internet. And, like, no social media handles had it. No, no website. So I went ahead and just snatched them all up. Yes. I like this line. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cute. I yes. love it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to get into our diva letter. All right. So it is time for dear our diva letter, and you can email us at divaadvice at gmail .com if you have any questions or want our comments. Mm -hmm. It is diva advice is d i v a a d v i c e at gmail .com. Diva advice. All right. So this week, our listener says, "Dear divas." I'm in the process of trying to pay debt off because I want to save toward my wedding in two years. I have several credit cards and I have student loans. I've been told some loans are seen as good debt. What are your feelings on debt? And in terms of paying off debt, uh, what should be paid first? Or should I save first? Love, Anonymous. Love, Anonymous. So, Anonymous, um, this is quick and... I have varying thoughts on saving and um, debt. So I do think for saving, you should have your emergency fund um, before starting to pay off debt. So that is usually around $1,000, probably more in this time. Um, so I would say 1000 to $2,000. So those are going to be the funds you would use if you were driving and your tire popped. And, you know, you need to be able to get tires because you you know, need your vehicle to, 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 to be able to get to your job to make money. Right. Um, if the water heater went out at the house, you know, mm -hmm. so you could have heat. So that's what those emergency funds would be used for. They would not necessarily, well, they would definitely not be used for hair or yeah. nails or, right. you know, those frivolous charges that we can get out of. Um, debt. So sometimes they say that no credit is just as, bad as bad credit so i think you do have to have some sort of debt in order to start building credit mm -hmm. um but then you have your you know your debt to income ratios and then you have your ratios on the i guess so let's say you have a credit card that has a thousand dollars maximum value on it you want to have a 30 percent or lower mm -hmm. balance on that credit card so you would never want that thousand dollar credit card to be over three hundred dollars right. um and if you can continuously pay that off mm -hmm. every month pay something off do not pay minimums minimum balances um 
pay try to either pay it off, get a credit card where you can either try to pay it off every time or at least pay over the minimum balances on your credit cards. Um, I do have a credit card that I keep just, you know, to have balances on it because it does help with your credit um, score in order to be able to raise those kind of credit scores. So mm-hmm. all debt is not bad debt, of course. Um, specifically with credit cards, you you want to be very mindful of what those interest rates are. Mm-hmm. And that's what gets a lot of people because they can usually obviously get approved for credit cards, but then they're at a credit card rating of 28%. That's harmful, um, especially when you're talking about paying a minimum balance on it. You usually will never get out of that yeah. credit by mm-hmm. paying a minimum balance. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think, and it was kind of going to go into my quick tip, so I'll just roll them into this letter as well because my quick tip was going to be like prepare for what you pray for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you were saying that you wanted to, you know you're going to, you want to get married, you want to have a wedding. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's your, your big dream, right? That's mm-hmm. the, the big dream. But you have to start with small steps. Um, and as you're preparing for that wedding, you know, it, setting aside, um, you know, a sinking fund for the wedding, for the wedding dress, um, for whatever that total cost of that wedding is. First budget what that wedding would be for you. Mm-hmm. Um, have a number in in mind for what that wedding would be so you won't go over that, any contributions that would be coming out. Um, but prepare in small steps over the time to start saving for that wedding. So you're preparing now for what you're praying for then, which is your wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, you can, I do believe that you can save for goals and pay off debt simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I wouldn't tell you, you know, make sure that you're 100% debt free before you get married and start paying for a wedding dress. Like that's that's not realistic for a lot of people, for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would tell you that if your goal is to pay off debt, not to also go into debt mm-hmm. for trying to have a wedding. Yeah. It's one day. Um, Mm -hmm. is for people that sometimes you probably haven't seen in years or probably won't see again in years. Mm -hmm. So do not go into debt for a wedding while you're also trying to pay off debt, but you can save for both of them simultaneously. Okay. Um, So I have similar feelings, and as a recovering credit card (laughs) (laughs) troublesome user, I would say... Okay, so in terms of, quote, good debt, there are some individuals that just don't like owing people, and I Mm -hmm. get that. I think student loan debt, once it hits your credit that initial time, I will say it doesn't just keep plaguing you in terms of how it pulls at your credit. There's that first initial hit six months after you graduate, and then it's there. Um, And I will say in terms of maybe when it's time to buy a home and things like that, they don't necessarily view it the same way they do um, consumer debt. Right, right, right. for sure. Which are your credit cards, car loans, Mm -hmm. things like that. So I wouldn't necessarily call it, quote, good debt because you you owe someone, Mm -hmm. but it is viewed differently. Um, I think, so it depends, honestly, I think it's personal preference. Outside of that emergency fund, which is like uh, Quick said, it's, for in an emergency that comes up and the theory is most emergencies can be solved within a thousand dollars or less mm-hmm. so you know whether you do a thousand two thousand some people's emergency funds are i think three months worth of their bills right, right. um whatever you feel comfortable doing within that um that is one fun and that's separate from your other savings because one of the things that i learned along the way um is that you should have multiple savings accounts for different purposes. So if you're you're saving for your honeymoon, that is one savings account. 
that's separate from saving for a, some other vacation or saving for if you have children, mm-hmm. your children's your education. Right. right. So... I'll say that first. And I think some of that is so you won't be co-mingling and dipping here and dipping there. It's really a discipline kind of thing. So I would say definitely kind of sit down and run your numbers. The In terms of which credit cards you pay first, I I say it depends. Now, mm-hmm. some individuals will, t- will attack the one that has the highest interest first because you're paying more money every month. I... I would say yes, unless it's one of those like retail ones. I would think for to me for your to me for the sense of if something came up, I don't want you to use a credit card. But if all else failed, it makes more sense to me to have that visa or something like that free mm-hmm. than if some emergency came up and you needed two hundred dollars. You cannot charge that on Victoria's <laughs> Secret. I'm just, you know, that's just me. So I right. would generally say attack the one that has the highest interest, unless mm-hmm. it's like, like I said, your rooms to go card. Right. Um and go from there. So the highest, usually, like I said, the highest interest rate on down. And what I like the snowball effect. Mm-hmm. So if you were paying, okay, I'm gonna pay two hundred dollars, and then the minimum on my other cards. Once that two hundred dollars, once you pay off that first initial card, you roll it over to the next card. So you're not, you know, you're not just paying um, the same amount each time. It's like mm-hmm. that money that's freed up that's now disposable, you're getting more and more money to attack the debt. So that's where the snowball gets bigger. Right. Um, so I would say that for sure um, in terms of which one that you should pay first. And, yes, I would say if you don't have your emergency fund established, definitely uh, set some of your funds aside that you do have to pay debt um, and set some of that aside in your savings because you do need to at least have the emergency amount. Mm-hmm. And, like I said, from there, as your debt decreases you can put a little bit money over there towards the wedding because that two years it's going to come up quick especially Mm -hmm. when it's time to get venues and vendors and all of that so yes i hope that was helpful we hope that was helpful yes so again if you would like to hear from us if you have any questions email us at divaadvice at Mm gmail.com And so quick, do you want to expound on your quick tip? Yes, I think, um, like I said, my quick tip is to prepare for what you pray for. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's kind of, you know, in the, you can have big dreams, but you have to start small. You have to start somewhere. And, you know, even with our guest, you know, she was saying that, she was preparing as she knew she was going to transition. When she uh-huh. started transitioning, she knew she was going to transition. She had her camera. Uh-huh. She started doing research. It wasn't like she just jumped off the end right. and jumped into this business with no knowledge. Right. Um, so you have to, you know, take the steps to prepare for what it is that you want. Mm-hmm. You can, what they say, uh, wants without work or just wishes or some, it's some, some, some kind of yeah. quote like that, right? Mm-hmm. So you basically can't um, hope for something but not put the work in behind it mm-hmm. and you know my prepare for what you pray for is anything if you know one day you want to get married mm-hmm. um you're if you and you're a guy you know that she's probably going to be expecting a ring you could start now putting in 10 20 into a ring fund um if you want children mm-hmm. um i when i just knew i wanted to have kids i started I had a savings account for my son mm-hmm. long before, long years, long before I ever got pregnant. Um, so just even, you know, if you want to start with debt, like 
$10,000, if you have $10,000 in debt, mm-hmm. it, it becomes overwhelming when you think, I have to find $10,000 to pay it off. But no, start small. You you know, $100 here, $50 here, and just being diligent will knock it out. Yeah. Um, so you just have to prepare, you know, for, for those things that you're praying for. You, when you have big dreams, it's fine to have big dreams. Write down those goals. Write down those steps, mm-hmm. um, the activated steps that you want to take to be able to accomplish those dreams and just start small start with the first step yeah so that'll be my my quick tip all right well all right dnd fam that wraps it up for this episode make sure you follow us in the meantime we are on facebook and instagram under divas and duckets Mm -hmm. you can also check out our website www.divasandduckets.com and until then Have a safe and have a great (laughs) attitude. Bye. Bye.